Welcome to the House Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message by Pastor Stephen Sexton. If you would like to know more about the House Church, please visit our website at welcometothehouse.com or download the House app. Listen, listen, uh, it is spring break and we have a lot of families out, but God is, is growing something here. I just want you to know that God is growing something here and we did uh, two baby dedications this morning. Uh, we had to change, I don't know if you knew this, but we had to change our tots and our babies. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, we had like eight to ten babies, and they couldn't all stay in the room. And so uh, my wife came to me and said, okay, we got to change something now. And, and so we had been talking about it. And so, you know, you know uh, sometimes your wife has a way of saying something to you that you know it, the options are now over. And <laughs> we got to move right now. And so... Uh, I heard you. And so um, that's a good thing. You know, the truth is that um, there are going to be problems in life. Okay? That's not a profession. There's going to be problems in life. You just don't, there's two ways, though, that problems manifest. One is because we, we were negligent, and one is because of growth. Make sure that the problems that are happening is because of growth in your life and not negligence. Does that make sense? Because problems are going to happen, but it's a good problem. When we have 10 babies in the house, that's a good problem. You know what I'm saying? Here this Sunday, you will probably hear kids yelling and screaming and having a good time. That's a good problem. And uh, I am so excited that you're here. My name is uh, Stephen, and I am the pastor here at this church. And I believe that you made a great decision to come today. I just want to say one thing as we begin uh, to finish up our series on this Just Be. I I want to encourage you to invite two to three people to come to church Sunday. I just want to encourage you to do it because here's the deal. The truth is eight out of ten, eight out of ten. If you invite ten people, statistically, nationwide, the average is that eight people will come. If you say, hey, not, hey, come to church, they're not coming. But hey, I was thinking about you. I would love for you to come. You can sit with us. We would love for you to come and be with us. More people will say yes to a personal invitation that is authentic than just a drive-by. Hey, you should visit our church. Does that make sense? And so I'm asking you to go ahead and do that. And, and, and for some of you who love to get up early, come to the 9 o'clock. You know what I'm saying? But come twice. I don't know. But, but the truth is, I want to make sure that in every area of our church, from our kids to our tots to our babies to even in here, that we have provided an opportunity for people to come and hear the truth of who God is, what God's done, and the miracle of Jesus. Does that make sense? Is that good? All right. Come, y'all going to have to wake up now. Hello, hello, hello. Listen, we're in our final week of our series on transformation, and we called this series Just Be. Over the last three weeks, it was our goal to walk through scriptures and talk about keys to transformation, keys to transformation. All of us have hurts, habits, and hang-ups. That's, that's, that's the reality. And we're all working through something. We're all working through hurts of our past or, or hurts, uh, hurts of someone in our life. We're all working through habits that, you know what, don't move us and position us into places of victory. We all have hang-ups that we're like, oh, why, why am I trying to do so well, but then in this issue, 
issue, this mindset, this whatever. Why is this still an issue? And so we all deal with those. But I'm telling you that all three of those areas are trying to cloud your mind and cut off your heart from receiving the truth of what God has for you. And the truth is, God has victory for you. And, and, and we are the quick fix generation. Come on. If it ain't quick, it ain't good. And, and um, there, there are people that have anxiety when they go through fast food. It's like, if my food is not out in five minutes, <sighs> I'm breathing, I'm breathing, I'm breathing. It's like, we are the quick fix generation. But can I tell you this? That... Some things cannot be quick fixed. Now, I believe that God can do a miracle. God can do a supernatural work. And just like that, old things can be washed away and all things can be made new. But there is some training that we grew up in that is going to cause us to re-have to train, come on, ourselves on how we think. We all grew up in homes, and there was a certain level of dysfunction in every home. And here's the deal. Just because you get revelation of who God is and what can change in your life does not mean that immediately all of your habits are now changing. And so some of us are learning how to change the way we process. I don't have to get angry. I don't have to do this. I don't have to talk that way. I don't have to act that way. I don't have to respond that way. I don't have to shut down. I don't, and I'm learning how freedom looks when my life becomes transformed. That's why we preach a lot of transformation. Yes, we want you to be saved, but we believe that salvation is the start for your life. There is a process of transformation. And... We started this series off talking about being faithful. We believe that faithfulness, commitment, not quitting. Come on, we are in a world where when it gets too hard, we just want to quit. And we, we, we believe that faithfulness, the next we talked about is freedom. How, how there are voices and choices and we want to make sure that we are stepping into freedom. If you missed last week, we had one of our young ministers here who, who works with our young people. Devin came and talked about developing and there's a certain mentality for a believer that we're continuing to grow and break through and we're never done. The worst thing that happens to, to Christians is we become churchy. Okay, churchy people. We use churchy language. We know churchy sermons. We have four or five sermons that we have shaped our whole ideology. And what we do is we come to church thinking we already know, rather coming to church to be a student and continue to learn. Discipleship is something that happens your whole life. And so two things should happen. When you hear something that you already know, you should be the most excited about it because you know it works. When we talk about freedom, Holy Spirit, tithe, growth, for those of you who have seen it work in your life, come on, there should be some amens up in the house. Because you know it works. Everybody else is like, I'm not sure this guy, I don't know, this guy, I don't know. I don't know about, I mean, work, giving, what? How does that work? If I give, I don't have, it's dumb. Yeah, but, but for those that have been set free by it, you're like, holla preacher, preacher boy, all year, because you see it's worked in your life. And so no matter where you're at, you're either learning or you're confirming. 
And so that should happen every time you're in service. I'm learning or I'm confirming. Yes, this is true. Yes, this is right. Yes, I'm moving towards something. Or wow, that's revelation. I knew that in this area, but I didn't know how it fit in this area. So okay, God's working on me. Does this make sense? Transformation is a process and we want you developing. And so today, my assignment is just be generous. Just be generous. Just be generous. And I think as we talk about this today, you're going to see how generosity and being generous will, will, will finish. It's like the period. It's like the sentence does not make sense if generosity is not a part of your Christianity. Look at this, Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 through 40. Look at this. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and the great commandment. And the second is like it. So it's equal to. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang the law and the prophet. Now here's the deal. The law gets a really bad rap. I realize that we are under a new dispensation. I realize that Jesus died for us. But here is the crazy thing. It's like now in churches, we act like the law is irrelevant. We are not under the law. But here's why God gave the law. God gave the law so that he could unlock love and potential in people. Okay, the children of Israel in the OT, we're going back in the OT, okay, Exodus. Here's the thing. God's people became enslaved by Pharaoh. And it was generations. I'm not talking about like years. I'm talking about like generations of slavery and captivity. And they did not know how to govern themselves or to think or be a functioning society. Because they grew up under Pharaoh and Pharaoh called the shots. And the whip and the task made the person. Does that make sense? And so here, God was going to free people. You know, sometimes the worst thing you can do is free someone and give them no border. Have you ever tried to put together a picture without doing the edges first? It's terrible. You know what I'm saying? I'm like doing all the edges because I want to know how everything fits into. Does that make sense? God, the Ten Commandments was given to give people the edges. Listen, here's what the Ten Commandments were. Love God first. Oh, uh, that's gone away. That's just gone away. I just, I, just, I feel like really oppressed when you talk about the Ten Commandments because I really think that I should love God whenever I want to. I don't think he has to really be first. Okay? You know what I'm saying? Don't worship anything else other than God. Your car, I know, come on, come on. I know your whip is nice, but... Your job, your office, your name with the plaque on it, your degree. Come on, all those things are great, and God wants you to have them. They just don't want, he doesn't want them to have you. Come on, somebody. Is that me? Okay. You are not what you amass. You are something deeper than that. Then he talks about, you know what? Keep, keep the Sabbath day holy. You know what? Take some time to connect with me every day week oh i just thought that's going away i mean obviously you know what i'm saying i can pray between netflix shows come on i mean 
Come on, new covenant, baby. Okay? And then I love the last six. Oh, the law has gone away. Okay, go cuss your mama. No, we still honor authority. Come on. We, we don't commit adultery. We don't steal. We don't kill. These are things our nation needs to understand some of this stuff. Does that make sense? And so, listen, the law, it was too hard to keep all of it. Because it says, it, it even talks about don't compare yourself. Like, don't want somebody else's stuff. How hard is that? Social media, I want everything you have. You went there, dang, I wanted to go. You know what I'm saying? Now, so on social media, I got all these guys working out with saw abs. I'm like, dang. If we're not careful, here's the thing. That was the, God was providing a, a, a generation that would go and move from slavery into taking the land, taking territory, growing infrastructure, having healthy families. And here's what God knew. If you don't sleep around, come on somebody, you don't steal from somebody else, you don't want what everybody else has, you aren't a liar, life's probably going to start working for you. Oh, I just don't agree. That's so stupid. That's dumb. <laughs> Doesn't even make sense. <laughs> it was the edge, but God had so much freedom and love for them that he had to draw the barrier. Does this make sense? Now, it wasn't because God was a God of rules and I need to tell you the ground rules of this ministry. God wanted them to go take the land. And he knew if there was no structure, they would not know how to move forward. Does this make sense? 2 Corinthians chapter 6, chapter 9, 6 through 14. I want to give you this verse. But I say this, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who gives and sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not begrudgingly or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. When was the first time that you learned about giving? Maybe even as a child, um, you had a friend over at the house. Come on, and you had like two cookies. And, and your friend was like, hey, oh. Uh, can I have one of those? And you're like, yeah, if you want it now. <laughs> you know, come on, let's be honest. Listen. And you learned at that moment, people want your stuff. People are like, what? Like, I, this is my cookie. Now, if I give it to you, I am not happy and I'm not fulfilled. And I want my own cookie. Maybe it was a parent who, you know, gave you the parent talk. Like, I'm very ashamed of you because you did not share your Xbox or your, you know what I'm saying? That was Atari for us. You know what I'm saying? Well, I only have one controller. Take turns. That's like a cuss word in kid language. Like, we don't take turns. I bought this for play. Take turns? I remember being in school and a teacher coming up and we would play in football and and there was a couple kids on the sidelines, and the teacher would call me over, and Stephen, everyone needs to play. And I was like, they're not good. <laughs> and I had this moral conflict. Come on, come on, somebody. <laughs> and so I'm not advocating everybody gets a trophy, so don't even go there. Some of you are like, that's what I've been saying? Listen, if you're bad, find another thing to do. But, but 
but I had to learn how to share. I had to learn how to share. They wanted me to share the football. If, I'm, if you're going to pull it out and play with it, every, come on, you know what I'm talking about. Over the next few months, I'm doing a couple weddings, doing a couple weddings, and um, I have to tell you that it, it's so funny when I do pre-marriage counseling because, you know, everybody's in love. And so they're like, yes, we want to learn. We want to learn all about it because we already do it all. You know what I mean? They, they don't say that, but that's kind of like when I say, okay, we're going to do pre-marriage counseling. We're going to do three. We, we do three uh, times together, and they're about 45 minutes in a session. And, and, and every time I meet with someone young or, 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 or they're getting married for the first time or getting married again, here's what they say. Well, we, 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 yes. <laughs> like we really love each other, so we pretty much do all this. And so what's funny to me is I remember doing the same thing. Like, so I'm, I'm, I'm like frustrated. I don't know what that was. Uh, uh, I'm not frustrated, but, but, but what's funny is, you know, when I got married to Katie, I did not know how to spell love. I really didn't. I'm all, obviously, okay, I went to school, L-O-V-E, okay? Some of you like, like, like you're analytical and you're like, how are you, Pastor? Listen, um, but... but but I spelled love different than she spelled love. I, I spelled love like Aretha. You know what I'm saying? Respect. R-E-S. Come on, y'all some Christian folk. Man. That's how I spelled love. You respect me, come on, and I will. Come on. I spelled love H-A-P-P-Y. You keep me happy, love goes forth. You make me unhappy, I will snatch that love back, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Quicker than you can say. When, when I was young and married, I spelled love F-O-O-D. Come on. <laughs> you know what's up. Cook for me. Love can go. Um, I, didn't know that, I didn't know that I had conditions on my love, but I found out in marriage there were these conditions that, that if I get a good meal and it's hot and I come in at 5.30 and it's all prepared and it, it, it has hors d'oeuvres and dessert and, and, and my happiness was tied to my, and the love, F-O-O-D. I didn't know that I spelt love F-U-N. As long as we're having fun, come on. I didn't know I spelt love S-E-X. Come on, y'all don't know, y'all so churchy. <laughs> Can you say sex in church? We have children in here, pastor. They need to know how they got here, baby. They know storks. <laughs> okay, let me let's just deal with that now. Listen, you know, stop lying to your children. <laughs> Disney, no, no, I can't, I gotta go on, y'all leave me alone, listen. <laughs> but you know, I did not spell love, G-I-V-E. See, I didn't spell love that way. Now, I wanted it, but I never know, the pastor did not tell me, when you think you have given all you can, Like when you think you are the epitome, the poster child of giving, they will still ask for more. I did not know. 
Now I know. Yep. Listen. <laughs> Here's the thing I want to tell you. Is that if you're not careful, what will happen is you will try to grow your faith and change your life, but if giving is not a component of your life, then you have locked your heart and it can only expand so far. Because giving is the practical application of loving people. And so many people want to love that. I'm going to love you with my words. There's <laughs> a hug. I'm just going to say good things about you so that you feel like a, there's a hug, a positivity. We're going to just do a verbal hug, okay? And so I'm going to tell you all the good things about you. And, oh, that's good. But, but if there is no doing, come on, somebody, then really love has no application. And giving is the application arm of love. Church, can I tell you that God is a giver? God is a giver. And all throughout the Bible, it shows us how God gave and God was generous. God gave humanity life. God gave relationship. He did not have to have a relationship with us, but he gave himself to want to have a relationship with us. God gave his people direction. God gave a covenant to the people in the Old Testament that he would be present and not just present, that he would walk us into victory if we would listen and obey. God's a giver. God gave us the hope of Jesus, the Messiah. Listen, your life is wrecked and you can't be good enough and you're trying to obey the law, but you can't do it all. But I am going to send you someone and I'm going to hear the, send the prophets, come on somebody, to speak his name and there will be a Messiah that will come and take away the sin of the world. Today's Palm Sunday. And... You know, it's an incredible time because, because they were laying down palms and Jesus comes in on a donkey and that was a prophetic moment where, where the king has arrived. And you would think that in that moment Jesus would just like be posting. Story feed just going crazy. Donkey, y'all. Yeah. Here's what Jesus did. I don't know, you probably read this this morning. Luke chapter 19, verse 41. Everybody's lined up on the street. Everybody's putting palm branches down. Everybody's excited. 41. As he drew near, Jesus saw the city and wept over it. He wept over it. 19, verse 41. He wept over it. See, when we get so acclimated to life that we cease to have emotion, any emotion, our church, this city, Northwest Arkansas, Rogers, poverty, brokenness, marriages, it's amazing how many people are chasing a corner office and they're losing their family, they're losing, does that make sense? They're on drugs, it's amazing. It's amazing. But because we all drive something good and look nice and we, we seem like we have got it all together, but internally people are broken, fighting, angry, toxic, not free. And we find out, guess what? Money doesn't solve everything, baby. You got a great IRA, but you got a lousy life. 
Jesus wept because the people thought, we're doing it right. I mean, this, is a, this would be a chest bump moment for Jesus. Come on, y'all finally giving me the respect I deserve around here. But he knew that they didn't know who he was. Could it be even in our church services? We're going to church, but we're missing who he is. I would hate for Jesus to be weeping over us that we're missing it. See, the major lesson in transformation is this. You cannot love God and you cannot love people unless you become a giver. A giver. Jesus. God sends Jesus to humanity. Jesus gave his revelation of the Father. If you look in the Gospels, he'll always talk about, my Father says, my Father says, my Father says, my Father says, my Father says. Because Jesus knew the Father in a way that the disciples didn't. They came from the Old Testament, so they thought piety pays, perversity punishes. If you mess up, you will get a lightning bolt. He will fix you. But then Jesus begins to talk about, whoa, 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 you need to know my Father. You need to know who he is. Constantly giving, giving um, amongst criticism and persecution, giving, giving. Jesus gave his spirit so that we could walk with him. Jesus gave his life. The disciples gave, they gave to the needy. They gave direction to people. They gave their lives. What I'm telling you is in this book, there is no one who did not give. If your Christianity doesn't make you at times uncomfortable, then it is a social Christianity, but there's not a lot of mission behind it. Come on. I'm trying to show us the importance of generosity. You know what? I think the best way to describe what generosity is is to tell you what it's not. So here's what it's not. Generosity is not self-serving. Self-serving. In other words, we have this ideology, especially in America, where the ends justify the mean. So if it ends up okay, it doesn't matter what I do to get there as long as it's up. So when we give, if we give self-servingly, then we think it's okay because I gave. No, nope, you gave. You don't give to your boss because you want to impress him so that he gives you the corner office. You work unto the Lord and you give your absolute best. And the byproduct is you have favor with man because anybody, let me check you out. You want to have favor with your boss, work the hardest, show up early, leave late. In a world of people that need and want to work less, they want to sip the coffee pot all day long, they want to get paid for 10 hours of work and do seven, if you're working hard, you're going to have favor. But if you work in a manipulative manner, come on, and it is self-serving, don't think that you're giving freely. You're giving because you expect there to be a return. We want you to serve here in our church. We want you to do. There are places and leadership and life groups we want you to do. But, you know, I, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to serve because, really, I, I just want to be in, in whatever inner circle there is because I just want to know and I just want, oh, whoa, 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 you've missed it. Because if you think that Katie and I, Katie, I mean, you need to know us. If you think that Katie and I are going to unlock your potential and anointing, you're smoking something. 
We are normal people that are trying to do what God's called us to do. And yes, we do have a mantle of leadership. And yes, we're going to run this church. And yes, we're going to lead it. But you serve as unto the Lord. And your gift will make room for you. Well, I've just been to a lot of churches and they have favorites. You want to know who the favorites are? I'm going to tell you. Everybody has favorites. I knew it. (laughs) I knew it. These favorites is not exclusive. It's not like I pick one person over another person and I like them and I hate you. Favor always comes about by serving. If I have one person and they're like, hey, you know what? They want to listen. They want to do. They want to respond. And they want to help. And I got another one who everything I say is wrong. And I don't know if I agree. And my, my wife's family is different than your family. You don't understand this. You know what I'm saying? And everything I say is... Ne- well, Who's going to rise? The one that is putting into practice the things that I'm talking about? Not because I'm, oh, it's the pastor, it's the pastor, it's the pastor. But just... Or the one that thinks that everything I say is wrong. Yeah, I'm going to put you in leadership. It's going to be great. Or it's going to really be anointed. No, I'm not. Does it make sense? As we move, listen, do we give self-servingly? Here's the thing. Generosity is not where you give and have strings attached. I see this a lot with older parents of older children. Your kids are starting to adult, and you give them money to stay involved in their life, and you call it helping them out, but really it's control. You want your voice to still be heard because you ultimately don't trust them. There's strings attached. I'm going to give enough so that you need me, and I'm going to... Come on. We, we, true generosity is just giving. It's not, Pastor boy, you preach good today. I put an extra thou in the plate. <laughs> Well, praise God. Move up three aisles, baby. Woo! <laughs> the truth of the matter is, there are no strings attached. We don't. I've been. I, I love it when I hear people. I've served that church for a year, and they did. If you listen to people, you can hear what's going on in their heart. So you serve the church, expecting recognition expecting promotion, it wasn't really out of a heart because you wanted to give and see people and see the lost come and disciple people and see people restored. There was a condition to your serving that was unspoken and unknown, and now you're mad that the pastor or the leadership did not fulfill the unspoken term of the contract. Come on. I love people. Katie and I learned this in our own heart. And and the reason I'm talking to you about this is because we walk through all of these emotions. I had a youth pastor that changed my life. Changed my life. But he was younger. And you know what? There was a moment where his giving moved to having an expectation. And and, and so there was a trap. And he he wasn't even aware of it. Came back later, apologized, said he was sorry. But you know what? That set me up. And you know what? We've given at least four or five cars away with no strings attached. We just give because God tells us to give. We just do because God tells us to do. I don't give to people. Stephen Hill, I love Stephen Hill. Stephen's starting a rap career. You need to get a CD. Go buy a CD. Stephen, how do they get your CD? Uh, 
I'm having him work on promotion. We're, we're, we're working. Listen, but listen, listen. I love Stephen. I want him to be a son of this house forever. But if he leaves in a year, I did not give to him so that it would make the church. I gave to him so that it would bring out the calling of God in his life. Does that make sense? There are no strings attached when you give. You just give. You just give. The third thing is this. You don't give out of guilt and fear. You will never hear me say, well, if you don't put an extra dime in the plate, we may have to close the doors. I don't want to close down, but I'm just telling you, the air condition is expensive. So is hell. <laughs> listen, listen. I'm not going to ever put a need before you because I feel like it won't happen. But here, that does not mean that we don't have responsibility in this. If God's put you here and God's placed you here, you should want to see the breakthrough that happened in your life continue and reach out to other moms and other people and other men and other things. And you should want to see it progress. But giving is not fear-based. It's not under guilt. I do believe that everyone who calls this their church, you have a responsibility to help this church be a light in this community and to move forward and to see more people touch. The truth is, I know that not every chair is full, but every chair in every church is not full because people have proximity issues. We're going to have to go to a third service. Someone's going to have to willfully wake up and go, I'm going to be there at 9 o'clock to welcome one visitor who's going to be there Don't give that a guilt. We're not going to do that. But I want to produce givers. All right, look, look here. Look here. There are three requirements, three ways that God desires and requires us to give. The first is our time. Our time. You can look Ephesians 5, 16, 15 and 16. You can write that down. I don't have time uh, to go over that. But here's the thing, if you will give and be generous with what you have, and everybody has three things, and these are the three things I'm going to talk about, your time, your talent, and your treasure. If you are sold out to the Lord, but you can't make any time to build his kingdom, then maybe what you love cannot be truly measured. Come on, when I dated Katie, you know, now I go to bed 9.30. 9.30, I'm done. I know you think I'm old, but 9.30, I'm done. We didn't even start dating until 9.45, baby. Come on, she was cooking waffles at 10.30, baby. And they were anointed waffles because I didn't gain no weight. We're not as anointed now. We don't do no waffles up in my house. <laughs> Why is it that we produce time? And, and here's the thing, is if your faith does not provide any moment of time for you, where I'm going to go out and give and be generous with my time, did you know that generous generosity, the word be generous means being ready to give and give exceedingly? 
It's not just giving. It's being ready to give and give exceedingly. When we talk about, hey, we're going to do an outreach of the rack. Dang it. We've got another event they want us to go to. Dear God. I love the people here, but I feel like we're doing something all the time. Don't they know that I, we have, don't, don't, don't they know we have jobs? Don't they know we have other things to do? Don't, don't. Here's the thing. Don't you know that the only reason this church was started was not to be a holding place for Christians, but to reach the lost and to see other people with broken homes and broken families and broken marriages come to life? I love you, but this church ain't for you. This church is for all of the broken people that are not here yet. You hear what I'm saying? If you will use your time, if you will use your time, you know, and, and here's the thing. If we're not careful, the Bible says we can deceive ourselves because we think we know the truth, but we don't. I remember using my time and my talent. When I started, I got saved. We didn't grow up in church, seven or eight, came to church. And I started wanting to serve. I played, so I played the drum. Y'all don't know, but I can get down. Get that beat going. Okay, make you remember the club days. Listen, I started playing, and I played for like 10 years. And here's the deal. I, all of our band people that come, I, I love y'all. Don't, don't ever think that I don't appreciate. Today, did you know that Nick, I don't, if you've never been here before, our, our, our worship leader, we have two ma main worship leaders. Stephen's a main worship leader, so all right, we have three. Uh, but uh, <laughs> you moved up, baby. Uh, <laughs> but I see Kelsey serving and giving water and doing and running around over here. She's not even singing today. Nick is in the background playing a guitar, letting someone else lead. Come on. Come on. When I started, I started playing drums in the church. And we had to tear down and set up every Sunday. I had to be there at 630. There was no drum set up. There was a nice shield and mic. Thank you, Ben. I, I, there was none of that. I had to carry the drums from the storage shed all the way. Put, my, I had such a big muscle right here. Because for years, I'd set it up, tear it down. And it wasn't like I could set it up and leave it. I had to take it back every Sunday for like 10 years. <laughs> See, here's the deal. Everybody wants to grow, but nobody wants to put in the time. And so here's what happens. Here's what happens, and I see this all the time. People come to our church, and, and I, I have this, this deal, that I, this, this thing that I always say, and I, and I believe it. If you stay here a year, you're going to grow. You will grow. You'll be challenged. If you stay and hook up a year, you come. I'm talking about the contract is null and void if you come 27 times. But if you come 52, come on. Listen. Here's the thing. Listen. Listen. And so here's what happens. People come and hear. Oh, they hear, they hear our worship and they, they see greeting and they, they see the kids' ministry. Oh, my God. They love it. The revelation. Oh, pastor, you just, ooh, I'm so full. Thank you, Jesus. Wow, this is a good church. That's some good preaching, Pastor. I like it. You know what I'm saying? It, 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 it's it's, it's kind of in the middle. It's not Baptist, but it's not charismatic. It's it's I feel like the Spirit of God's here, but I feel like, whoo, this is some good stuff. And they get full. Look at this. 
And here's what happens. They love it, they're thriving, it's great for a year. Can I tell you that you can only sit in a church for two years without wanting to leave. It's a statistic. If you do nothing with your generosity, you have two years in a church because here's what used to be exceptional is now becoming stagnant. And so what happens is, rather than people wanting to deny themselves and begin to be generous and give, we want to switch churches. Oh, the glory's over there. Yeah, but only for two years, baby. Because <laughs> here's the deal. If you really want to grow, come on, you're going to have to begin to start using what you've been given. Does that make sense? And so here's what happens. It's the craziest thing. What happens is you begin to start, you, you don't, I mean, yeah, I mean you're, you just got a small cup. I mean, I understand. How can God use me? What can God do? You know, I mean, I'm just, I got a small cup here. And so I don't know much about the Old Testament. I don't know much about theology, but here's what I know. I, I, was, I was thinking thoughts of suicide. And God began to change my life. And every time I have fear, I begin to just share a little bit of, of what God did in my life. And here's what happens. It's amazing. God has more. And you're like, what is this? I'm using what God's done in my life. That's why the Bible says we overcome by the word of our time. Man, that's my dream, man. <laughs> I grew up in the projects. Not to me. You lick a popsicle, I lick it too. Don't mess with me. Listen. Listen. My point is this. You cannot come and stay in this church if you're not serving, growing, and giving because you will plateau. Something should be requiring you. Commitment's hard. Come on. Anybody ever been mad at your friend? If you're mad at him right now, don't say nothing. <laughs> Listen, the truth of the matter is, God will fill you up as you continue to give. But if you're not giving, that's why we want you to go through framework. That's why we want you to join the dream team. And I know, oh, I tried to join the dream team. I don't even know what's going on. They got this plan center. I don't even know. I don't even know. And, and, and here's the thing. We got all of these little negatives that keep us stagnant. But God wants you to grow. Your time, your talent. Some of you here sing. Some of you play guitar. Some of you, some of you love children. Like you love children. You even have this weird thing about you. Like every time you see a child, you just want to go up there and hug them. Like a long time. And the only reason you don't is because people will know you're awkward. <laughs> you just love kids. You just, <laughs> oh, and your husband or your, or your friend who knows you is like, breathe. <laughs> breathe. Their parent is close. <laughs> we got people, you could serve in ministry with our kids. Serve in, and, oh, well, we, we need help with you babysitting. I don't want no one babysitting my kids. I want them prayed up, anointed, ready to speak the word of God, inspire them to be free and a different adult. Well, I want people on this stage. I don't want, well, if you can sing, come on up here. 
I want people wanting to connect. See an anointing happen, something anointing happen, break off chains off people's life. Some of you know someone right now who plays the bass or plays the keyboard. You need to, you need to snipe them. They need to come. I'm, I'm, listen, I don't want to steal anybody from another church, so don't even go there. But I'm talking about there are people, listen, who have giftings and you know it. Come on. People aren't growing because people make no time and they don't want to use their talent. And this is a key component for transformation. Listen. Let's talk about our last one, your treasure. Your treasure. I want to do a little example here. Um, <laughs> you already got the water. I don't, want, I, don't, I don't want people to think. Here's what happens. We talk about tithe here. When we come to the altar, and, I, I, and here's the, it's amazing the transition. Some of y'all are like, what does he do? Okay. Listen. The truth of the matter is, it's amazing, is how just coming up to an altar produces a theology issue and insecurity in people. When really, when you tell me where it says, all the great churches will pass a plate and put in dollars. <laughs> what scripture verse is that? The, the truth is, when you come to this house, it is my hope that you are always faced with a decision. And the decision is, am I going to be comfortable or am I going to be commissioned? When you give, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Can I tell you that some of you are not breaking free in areas because your money has closed off God's access into your life. Just in this church, we had someone wanting to go to Belize two weeks ago. And they were just talking about it with, with, with someone on the team. And a family came up and said, what are y'all talking about? And they were just talking. At the end of that conversation, they wrote them a $500 check. Go. During Christmas, we had all of the kids that we, we did, um, we bought presents for, um, uh, where are we, New Beginnings Children's Home. And we had all the presents done. And at the very last second, five kids changed and, and five kids moved out. Five kids moved out. We had a man in our church say, you know what, I'm not a really good shopper, but I'm going to write a check. And because of that check, we were able to finish all of the presents and bless the people who were there. See, here's the thing. If we care so much about this, this can put you in bondage. This is what funds ministry. Do you know when I started this church, there was a businessman and I connected with him five years earlier. He, he had not risen to anything big. He had just started his business. We went out and went to Belize. He started doing some ministry with me. And then five years later, I shared with him the vision of this church. Do you know the first year, the reason the church did not have to pay me is because he wrote a check. He wrote, he, he wrote checks monthly. He gave me $80,000 of his personal money to start this church. 
What I am telling you is this. The enemy will say the church wants your money, but God will say, I gave you the talent and the ability to get wealth. And all of the things in you is to help me build the gospel and change Northwest Arkansas. I want to plant seven churches by the time I'm 60. There will be ministers. And I don't know who today is playing the drums. And it looks like it's insignificant. But in 10 years, you may be a pastor. Well, the church just wants your money. No, God just wants your heart. Come on. God just wants your heart. If we were to look at the things that we fund, you could see in your account the things you love. I love my basketball. I love this. I love this. Because our money tells the story of what we, come on. And it's great. Come on. Is it not great to get a little, come on, a little snap? Come on, y'all. It's great to give it. It's great to get it. But it's a whole lot better to give it. And here's the deal. We're going to have to grow. And I don't know where you're at, but we believe in the tithe. And the tithe is like the law. It was the starting place. Why? Because God said, if you'll give me 10%, it will open your heart and it will push back selfishness in your life and it will give me an avenue for you to come in and every year Katie and I raise up our tithes no matter what happens with us financially we go up why? because God supplies our needs here's what I'm asking you to do I'm asking you to be a giver I'm asking you to be generous with your time I'm asking you to come to Framework. I'm asking you to welcome somebody. I'm asking you to be the salt and light. Welcome somebody. We want to start our usher team. We're trying to get the parking lot going. We're trying. There's places for you. Well, I don't know if I'm called to the parking. But just do it for a little while. And what I'm telling you is your faithfulness will rise and you'll be over something else. When you give it, the Bible says that God gives seed to the sower and so if you're not sowing your time your talent then your talents not developed here's the deal how many of y'all have heard Gina sing before on stage come on you've been here and you heard her sing today girl killed it how many of y'all you seen Stephen when I met Stephen beyond I'm telling you the truth when I met Stephen His favorite thing to look at was dirt. <laughs> now he bringing you in. and Y'all going to worship because I'm. <laughs> if you don't give your time and your talent, you will never unlock what's really in you. And you will always be frustrated because you feel like something is going on in you and nothing is getting it out. And I am tired of seeing Christian people living below their potential. Come on. Is this good? Yeah. Romans 12, 9. This is my last verse. 12, 6. Romans 12, 6. Having in gifts different according to the grace which is given to us, you've been given something. 
Let us use them. Let us use, everybody say this. Let us use them. One, two, three. Let us use them. If prophecy, some of you, listen, you just have any, you can look in someone's eyes and you just know what's going on. And listen, I'm not talking about a spirit of discernment where you're negative and critical because that's from the devil and we don't want that here. Well, you know, I just, I just know people. I just have a spirit of discernment. Shut your mouth. Okay? Because that right there tears people down and builds you up and makes you the king. And there's only one king in here, baby. It's not you. Prophecy pulls out what's in someone and says, I can see what God is doing in your life. And I'm going to speak what you already know in you. And I'm going to make that come alive. I'm going to call it out. Some of you have that gift. Some of you in this place, you have the gift of faith. You have the gift of ministry. Look at this, verse 7. Then minister. If you're a minister, minister. Stop being on the shelf. Okay, you're getting over whatever happened to you. Get over it. Because all of your healing will not come by just sitting. You will have to get back. Some of you are teachers. Some of you need to lead a life group. Some of you, look at this, exhortation. Come on, if anybody knows Nick, this dude, when he, his face makes you like want to hug him. Some of you are just so happy all the time. We've got four or five people. Listen, listen, uh, we, we got four or five people here. Well, I got Nina in the back. When Nina talks to you, her, she just has that gift that you're just like, please be my best friend. One who gives. You know, a lot of people use this verse and they're like, see, pastor, I don't have that gift. <laughs> I don't have that gift to give. But listen to me. This is not talking about giving your tithe. That is for every believer. But there are some business owners and people here that I am in my office praying about how we're going to go to the next service, how we're going to buy property, what we're doing, and God has sent you to help us reach more people does that make sense and everybody listen if I'm gonna develop Stephen's gift I'm gonna develop the children's workers gift then why wouldn't we develop the gift of giving that will see countless people saved baptized homes fixed come on come on we get so weird about money you got to be a giver and if you want to transform your life, you're going to have to be generous. That's the truth. You guys stand up with me. Here's, here's the takeaway for today. The first is this. I'm asking you to show up on Saturday. The first hundred people, come here, let me see this. The first hundred people, we got you a shirt that says the house. And it says serve on there. Now here's the deal. If you want your size, come early. Okay? But we are going to be a church that is better outside the walls than in. We are going to be that church. We are going to be that church. We are going to be that church. And if, listen, if that ain't the church you want, okay, baby, I'm good. I'm not mad at you. You just probably won't like this place. Because my goal is to get you up, get you healed, and get you out. 
doing what God's called you to do. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message ministered to you. Feel free to let us know on the Connect tab of the House Church app. We hope you have a great week.